If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Cluster B personality disorders are characterized by dramatic, overly emotional, and unpredictable thoughts and behavior. From Ars Longa Media, this is Cluster B, scientifically informed, expert insights into the four cluster B personality types, antisocial, borderline, narcissistic, and histrionic personality disorder. Here's today's host, Dr. Todd Grande. Well, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if I can take a look at a presentation example that involves rejection and maybe somebody kind of obsessing about rejection and how that might tie in with personality pathology. So a presentation example is also referred to as a clinical vignette, case vignette, case study, a lot of names for essentially the same thing. It's when a counselor sees a learning opportunity for the mental health treatment community from a particular case, obtains consent to write up a report on that case, and then presents it in some format, usually an educational format. The information about the case has changed, but the clinical essence remains the same, at least in theory. This case explores a lot of different angles. Rejection is certainly a key part of this particular case, and personality pathology seems to be important in this case as well. I'm going to review the case, and then I'll provide my analysis after that. So this presentation example features a 56-year-old Caucasian male. I'll refer to him as John. John presented for mental health counseling because he was pressured by his wife. I'll call his wife Sally. She was 57. Now, the mental health counselor who treated mostly John, but also saw John and Sally together some of the time, is in her 60s and licensed to practice for about 15 years, but had more experience in the mental health field before that. So a long career in mental health treatment. Sally wanted the mental health counselor to increase John's commitment to their marriage. John reported that he was fine with this goal, but if it was up to him, he wouldn't seek counseling. During John's initial assessment with the mental health counselor, John appeared to be alert, oriented, well-dressed, verbally productive, maybe a little bit too productive and a little bit loud. The clinician noted that John worked in a loud manufacturing facility, so speaking loudly and clearly may have been a habit that he developed there because it would be necessary in that environment in order to be heard. John tended to interrupt the counselor quite a bit, but he did seem to be aware of what he was doing. He would frequently apologize for interrupting. He was on time for just about every appointment and only missed appointments occasionally, always notifying the counselor if he was going to miss. John stayed in treatment for 14 months, and the termination of the treatment was agreed upon by both the counselor and John. John was a skilled laborer for most of his career. He recently moved into a lower-level management position, so right before he started treatment. 
His highest level of education was high school. He had a limited criminal history that he obtained when he was in his 20s, including menacing and disturbing the peace. He had no felony convictions. He had never served time in prison. He had occasional substance use, like alcohol, but no evidence of a substance use disorder. During John's treatment, a number of issues were explored. I'm going to focus here on the ones more related to romantic rejection, which seemed to be a key turning point in his life, this particular rejection happened in his 20s. During therapy, there are only a few sessions where this rejection wasn't discussed. When John was in his early 20s, he worked for a variety of customer service type jobs where interaction with the public was common. He appeared to have adequate social skills at that time, at least that's based on his report during therapy later on. Now, during the same time when he was in his early 20s, his grandmother was in poor health and she stored thousands of dollars in cash in her home. Evidently, she didn't trust banks. Now, John knew the money was there, never attempted to take the money. But when his grandmother passed away, he went into the house and took the money. He knew where it was hidden. Now, other relatives did find out that the grandmother had stored money. So John reported to them that it was just a few hundred dollars. That's what he took. Now, of course, it was substantially more than that. This theft of the money allowed him to stand out a little more in terms of he had nicer clothing and he had an expensive vehicle relative to the level job that he had. A little bit after this, during his late 20s, John took a job at a business where he met Sally. Of course, he would eventually marry Sally. And he also met a woman who I'll call Rhonda. Sally and Rhonda were friends who worked at this particular place of employment many years before John started there. John was romantically interested in both Sally and Rhonda, but much more so with Rhonda. John described Rhonda as exceptionally attractive. Shortly after he started working there, he asked Rhonda out. She said she would go out with him, but not on an official date. So already we see kind of a low level of commitment from Rhonda. I'm just going to refer to these meetings they had as dates because it's easier than saying official dates or whatever they were supposed to be called in this instance. They went out a couple of times. On their last date, one of John's friends from high school happened to be at the same restaurant and appeared to be very impressed that John was with somebody as attractive as Rhonda. And this made a significant impression on John at the time and even later on, many, many years later, and therapy still seemed to really weigh heavily on his mind. It was a good moment for him. However, on the same date, and perhaps because of this recognition by one of John's friends and the friend's assumption that John and Rhonda were on a date, Rhonda decided to reject John. She told John that she did not want to settle for somebody like him, that she could do better. Now, perhaps this was a somewhat insensitive way to word this, but it did appear that she was being honest. John was devastated by this news. So this becomes a kind of a strange day in John's life, an incredibly happy time being recognized by that friend as being with somebody who's attractive, and then a devastating time. So all this occurring in the course of one day, and really on this particular meeting, on this particular unofficial date with Rhonda. Now, after this date, the next time he went to work, he continued having conversations with Rhonda, and she did seem amenable to having a limited friendship type of relationship. So it sounds like John was kind of stuck in the friend zone, so to speak. Now, John was aware that Sally and Rhonda would go out to eat or go to movies together. So he started a romantic relationship with Sally as a way to get access to Rhonda. And apparently this strategy was successful, at least for a limited period of time. Often John and Sally would go on a double date with Rhonda and whoever she was dating at the time. 
and on one of these occasions, John got into a fight with Rhonda's date, alleging that the date made an advance on Rhonda that was unwelcome. In counseling, John claimed that he decisively won this physical altercation, but it's not really clear if that's what happened. John was charged with felony assault, but he was only convicted of menacing and disturbing the peace, both of which are misdemeanors. He was given two years probation. Rhonda's date was convicted of felony assault and went to prison, not jail. So usually that means that somebody's going to serve a little bit longer of a sentence or a substantially longer sentence. John was also hospitalized as a result of the altercation, whereas the other man was not. The mental health counselor kind of pushed on this point to find out what really happened in this altercation. Eventually, John indicated that he provoked Rhonda's date, and then that other guy attacked him. So it sounds like he must have said something that offended the guy. The guy attacked him. But during the course of defending himself, maybe he took it too far. And that's why he was convicted of menacing and disturbing the peace. It's not really clear from the report. Now, after this, Rhonda quit her job and no longer went out with John in any capacity, double dates or otherwise. John referred to this particular fight as a moment where he saved Rhonda's life. So he thought of himself as a hero for this physical altercation. Now, this whole time along, Sally knew what John was doing. He was using her to get close to Rhonda, but she still really liked him. John and Sally started dating and became boyfriend and girlfriend, and eventually they would get married. Now, the marriage seemed quite rocky, both by John's description and by Sally's description. Sally had two separate affairs during the marriage, one for about six months and one later on for about nine months. During both of these affairs, Sally would leave with whoever the guy was. And during this time, John would call to talk to Rhonda. Rhonda felt sorry for John because of what Sally was doing and apparently spent about an hour a week on the phone with him during these times when Sally was away. John described these times as among the best of his life. Now, Rhonda made it clear that no romantic relationship was going to begin because of these conversations. Now, the counselor inquired with John as to how he could tolerate these affairs so casually. He really didn't seem that concerned. Now, he indicated that Sally really was at a lower attractiveness level than he wanted or that he deserved. And although it was painful initially, both times when she left, a few months into it, he really wasn't troubled too much that she was having these affairs. It's worth noting that both times, John found a girlfriend shortly after Sally started seeing these other men. And the presence of the girlfriend seemed to coincide with John not being too troubled by Sally's activities. So it appears here that John really functioned much better when he wasn't alone, even if it wasn't a serious or committed relationship. Now, interestingly, the presence of a girlfriend is also what evidently drove Sally to come back both times. She was jealous. And she reported this directly to the mental health clinician. So this was what both John and Sally reported about Sally's motives for coming back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Saving money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Saving money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. After Sally's return the second time, John reported that he had no contact with Rhonda until a few months before his first appointment with a mental health counselor. So we have a period here of over 20 years without any contact with Rhonda. So now taking a look at what happened a few months before John came into counseling. Evidently, he had an occasion to run into Rhonda at a shopping mall or store of some type. He found out that after he lost contact with Rhonda, she married someone who had a substance use disorder. They had a turbulent relationship. Rhonda also became involved with substances, and both Rhonda and her husband went to jail. After Rhonda was released, she divorced her husband. So at the time of this conversation with John, she was single. Now, during this conversation, Rhonda said that she was having a tough time with money because she had that criminal conviction, so she was having difficulty getting a job. And she asked John if she could have some money, not borrow it, just have it. And he gave her all the cash she had in his wallet, which evidently was several hundred dollars. Now, John asked Rhonda if they could go on a date. And she said, sure, but it could not be an official date. I don't know why this strikes me as so funny. Like, is there some sort of difference between an official date and an unofficial date, like a public record? where an official date would have to be logged. I'm not sure I really understand this terminology, but I guess it's supposed to be kind of a non-committal way of having a date, right? So I'll go on on a date, but not on an official date. So they did go on an unofficial date, I suppose. And of course, this would constitute an affair because John was married to Sally. But he didn't hide this information from Sally. He went back after this and told Sally about the whole encounter. He mentioned that Rhonda was still very physically attractive, and he couldn't wait to tell his friends that he was going out with her again. Now, during this period of time where John was going on these dates with Rhonda, he offered to leave Sally if Rhonda would marry him. She said that maybe that's something she could think about in the future, but right now she really needed to worry about paying her bills. So John started paying her rent, her car payment, and her car insurance. Now, one evening when John was giving money to Rhonda, Rhonda attacked him and took all the money he had on him. So she took his wallet and ran. He didn't report the crime, but a neighbor who witnessed the crime did, and Rhonda was arrested and returned to jail for violating the terms of her probation from those prior convictions involving substances. Now, after this incident, John told Sally that he was distraught and that he was eagerly awaiting Rhonda's release from jail, even though it was probably going to be at least six months. It was at this point that Sally asked John to come to therapy, and he was initially going to refuse. But then he learned that Rhonda was being transferred from jail to prison because she was going to be there for several years. He thought it would be a good idea to stay with Sally until Rhonda got out. Now, the mental health counselor who treated John noted that she believed that John and Sally both had poor boundaries and a poor understanding of what long-term commitment involved, which I think is fairly obvious and I think fairly accurate. At the termination of treatment, John indicated that he planned on staying with Sally and he accepted this as his fate. So a really uplifting way to think about a marriage. He blamed himself for not being there for Rhonda. He believed that he could have protected her from all the unfortunate things that happened to her. John believed that Rhonda's rejection of him 
the one that happened when he was in his 20s, was really just a cry for help, and that Rhonda always loved and needed John. So John really reframed the rejection. It wasn't a rejection at all. It was an indication of love. So we see a number of cognitive distortions at work in this situation. Now, John felt as though he deserved an attractive romantic partner. He knew that several of his high school classmates were partnered with very attractive women, and he felt it was unfair that he was stuck with Sally. But he believed it was better than being alone. The mental health counselor failed to make any diagnosis except for adjustment disorder, indicating that she could not establish the full criteria for any of the personality disorders that she considered, which would include all of the cluster B personality disorders. So that was a review of the case. So now I'll move forward with my analysis. Now, this is an interesting case. And of course, I wasn't there. So I'm really just speculating based on the information available. During 14 months of treatment, a lot of information would have been communicated that wasn't recorded in the report. So the mental health counselor who treated John, of course, is in a much better place to determine any diagnosis or to fail to make a diagnosis. So in this case, we see quite a bit of what appears to be cluster B personality pathology. And if we go through the four personality disorders in cluster B, antisocial, narcissistic, borderline, and histrionic, we can see that John seems to meet some of the symptoms, but it's not clear if he meets enough to have any of these disorders diagnosed. So if we go through them one by one, first looking at antisocial personality disorder, we see repeated unlawful behaviors. He seems to meet this one, although it would be interesting to know what happened in those 20 years. Did he get arrested again? Did he not have any problems? We see consistent deceitfulness. I don't think he necessarily meets this criterion. He did tell the truth to Sally. Certainly he was deceitful at times, but was there really a pattern? That's not clear. Impulsivity, poor planning, maybe, it's not clear. Aggressiveness in physical fights, he has the one fight. So maybe, but there's no real pattern here. Reckless disregard for safety, doesn't seem like it. Consistent irresponsibility, again, there doesn't seem to be a pattern of irresponsibility. Lack of remorse, it would appear that he meets this criterion. So he may meet two and possibly three of the symptom criteria. And of course, three would be what's required for antisocial personality disorder. But I don't think there's really enough to say this disorder is present. Now, moving on to narcissistic personality disorder, I think a better case could be made here. But again, it's not perfectly clear. Did he have a grandiose sense of self-importance? Maybe. A preoccupation with exaggerated fantasies of success, power, and the ideal love? I think that he would qualify with this symptom criterion. Believing oneself to be special or unique? I think so. Requiring excessive admiration? It's not really clear. Having a sense of entitlement? Yes, he said several times he deserved a more attractive partner. Manipulating others interpersonally? Maybe on this one, it's not really clear. Some things that he does seem to align with this criterion. Lacking empathy? I would say probably. Being envious of others? This one seems fairly clear. Being arrogant, pretentious, or supercilious? This one's not quite as clear from his presentation. So again, looking at these nine symptom criteria, this may be a fair diagnosis. Again, certainly a better case can be made for this disorder than antisocial personality disorder, but it's not really crystal clear. With NPD, five of the nine symptom criteria are required. He has four, and there's a few where he could reach that fifth one. So again, it's possible. When looking at borderline personality disorder, we see here that he appears to have the frantic efforts to avoid abandonment, but only with one person, only with Rhonda. Now, in terms of a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships, maybe, but again, 
he really seems to be focused on just the one person. And we see the idealization cycle, but not the devaluation cycle. So it's not really a pattern of ups and downs. It's just a pattern of being up, of just idealizing. John doesn't really seem to meet any of the remaining criteria for borderline personality disorder, like identity disturbance or emotional dysregulation. The chronic feelings of emptiness, maybe that's a possibility. But in terms of the other remaining symptoms, it seems clear he does not meet them. So borderline personality disorder seems out as a diagnosis, but there are a few symptoms that could be endorsed. Now with histrionic personality disorder, the last of the cluster B personality disorders, he may have met the suggestible criterion, so he's easily influenced by others, and perhaps the criterion that has somebody thinking about relationships to be more intimate than they actually are. But again, just with Rhonda in this case, John seems desperate to have this one particular relationship. So this may point to something like vulnerable narcissism, right? Otherwise known as covert narcissism. But he really seems too confident for that, right? So vulnerable narcissism is something I think could be going on, but it doesn't quite line up with that either. So we really see an interesting mix of cluster B personality disorder symptoms without necessarily clearly having one of the personality disorders. Although I think you can make a fairly good case for the narcissistic personality disorder. Now, technically speaking, though, you might end up with other specified or unspecified personality disorder, which is kind of an unhelpful diagnosis. It really doesn't guide treatment too much. But I think that's probably the closest if we don't go with something like NPD. And I think this case really emphasizes the importance of a dimensional model. So thinking about personality traits and personality pathology is on a continuum and kind of moving away from categories. Again, we see symptoms endorsed across all four of the personality disorders. So something is likely going on, right? I mean, we see a lot of dysfunction in his life, but we can't necessarily clearly say it's one or two of the disorders. Now, the idea of having symptoms from several personality disorders is fairly common in my clinical experience, but usually you do have one or two. You can say, okay, the person definitely has these, but they also have symptoms from these other personality disorders. In the case of John, it's not quite as clear. We also see kind of a delusional component here, like his reframing of the rejection. That rejection is so important to him. It's such a key moment in his life. And he manages to reframe that in a way where he's kind of the hero of the situation. We also see a delusional component could be at work in this case, especially the way he frames that rejection by Rhonda. He frames it like Rhonda really loved him the whole time along, and that's why she rejected him. So he may have some delusions or just really strong cognitive distortions. He appears to be too trusting. And we see that he really needed to believe that Rhonda wanted him. That really seems to be the core cognitive distortion, at least during the time he was in treatment. Now we see that John doesn't appear to be depressed, but rather hopeful. He was always looking forward to a future with Rhonda. So the rejection hurt him, but in a sense, he always remained optimistic. Right? So again, it kind of points back to agreeableness as a personality trait. So it might have been that he was simply too agreeable along with the other personality pathology that we see. Another thing that really stands out in this particular case is how John was obsessed with just one moment or a few moments in his life. This is actually relatively common. It's not always the case that it's a rejection or a physical fight or whatever happened with John. But for a lot of people, they do tend to get stuck and kind of fixate on one important 
occurrence, or again, a few important occurrences. So everything after that occurrence was different. Everything after it was a struggle or negative. Everything before it perhaps was a little brighter. So it's like a turning point that can't be effectively processed. Again, people tend to get stuck on these turning points. So I thought that was interesting in looking at this case with John. It's something we see quite a bit. And of course, it really stands out in his particular presentation. For more content like this, check out Healthy Toxic, another podcast from Ars Longa Media, all about what makes or breaks relationships, including issues related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and how personality disorders affect relationships. Ars Longa, Vita Brevitz. Learn more at ArsLonga.media. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.